a little under the weather, but I'll be fine. I feel that. Do you see uh, Colton Wong to the to the O's? Yeah, I, just I think he's. It. I think he's nothing more than a than a minor league guy. I mean, didn't he used to be good though for like the Brewers? I mean, yeah. I I, I mean, I, honestly, I think I think he could slide into the role that that kind of um, what was his name. Adam Frazier had last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he, you know, I think he's there like more as a utility guy. I mean, he was really good with the Brewers and even for a year with the Cardinals, but um, I don't see him being a guy that's going to be a, a difference maker on the roster. I'm actually excited to see what happens with him. I mean, I really didn't go look at the uh, contract depth. So if you know the contract, please let me know. No, I, I, I just got the notification oh, wow. a couple of minutes ago, so I haven't seen anything, but. I can't. Exp- I I don't think it's going to be anything more than incentive based. Maybe you know, maybe a, a million dollars as the base, and then you know, just a ton of incentives, which I th- I think is you know very fair for for where we're at. Yeah. Um. With that, hey Birdland, how are we today? As spring training began last Thursday on the twenty second, we are now looking forward to opening day, but there's still a lot more spring training to get through. The Orioles have started playing baseball again, and in spring training are so far 4-1 and one in five games. Uh, with that, we can move to the trivia of the week. How many home runs did Mark Trumbo have in 2018 with the Baltimore Orioles? A, 17, B, 47, C, 33, and D, 9. Do you know the answer or you want to take a guess? I was just like, I need an anonymous, like, random question. <laughs> I, I, I do know because that, that was – that was a you know a very specific year, so so I do know. So I'll I'll save that till the end. Yeah. Um. Before I guess we go into everything, there was a tweet by Evan Jarelich I think two days ago talking about the transfer of the Orioles from John Angelo to David Rubenstein, and how it's likely to be complete in April with the chances done by opening day. Um. What What do you think they mean by that? Because wouldn't the transfer be considered almost done if they literally like? change the ownership yeah so i mean the way that the way that it's kind of played out is, is they have to get all the contracts signed they got they got to move a lot of documents i mean i'm, I'm sure it's a bigger process i mean they're literally mm-hmm. transferring over an entire organization um but the angelos are still going to have a part in it uh they still have 30 percent, i believe it is just because of um if they if they move the entirety of the organization over there's a lot of back taxes that have to be paid so I'm, I'm sure they mean that that the transfer of the majority stake is going to be done hopefully by opening day and sort of let that group kind of start making decisions and, you know, more of the, the financial decisions and, you know, the business decisions. I think that's more what it means. I think it's exciting with the new ownership. I mean, a lot of people in Baltimore, and I listened to this on a podcast, they're talking about it. But um, as soon as the Ravens lost that AFC championship game, I feel like a lot of my friends, a lot of people I knew, like, okay, like, O's baseball is coming up. Like, we have something to look forward to. And, like, in the past, like, few years, like, you haven't really, like, seen that or heard that from anyone as those haven't been as good. Yeah, I mean, this this really seems like a year, like, a lot of O's fans are, are really mm-hmm. getting behind the team. I mean, last year there was, a, there was a sense that something could, you know, be put together. But I think a lot more people thought that, you know, last year was going to be more of, like, an 80-win season. And, you know, you finish a couple games above 500 and you take that. Um, I think now, you know, it's kind of like, wow, we just had a team that won 103 games. We br- bring in Corbin Burns. Um, 
there's a lot to be excited for for the team. And I, I think this is the first time in, I mean, probably the last six, seven years um, that O's fans are, are really excited for the season and really think they got something special. I think the last time I can remember that I was really excited was the Delman Young double with Detroit. Uh, and then they got swept by the Royals in the ALCS, which sucked, but it happened. Um, earlier today, Brandon Hyde said Gunnar Henderson should be playing pretty soon, uh, taking BP again today. Said base, best case for Connor Norby is Sunday or Monday. Bruce Zimmerman will follow Tyler Wells Friday. Uh, and Rock Kubako, uh, one of the Orioles reporters, announced this uh, today on the 28th. I also forgot about Bruce Zimmerman. I think that's another depth we can use, especially for the bullpen, because he's not going to be in that starting rotation. Yeah, I mean, I I've, I think he's he's actually a former Towson guy. Um, mm-hmm. Played played a season or two over here. Um, yeah, I think he kind of slides slides in as as a depth arm. Um, really hasn't put up amazing numbers. Um, you know, that's kind of why he hasn't been able to stick in the major leagues, but. You know, there's just so much depth on the team. I think if, you know, one or two of the relievers go down, um, you look at him, it could be a guy that we see called up once, maybe twice this year with injuries. And, I mean, there was a game sometime last season. I don't know exactly when, uh, but Keegan Aiken was pitching as a starter. Um, So they usually, like, I think the O's know how to move relievers into that starter role. And even if they don't win that game, they know how to use their relievers as openers, which I think is really awesome to see. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great to see. I mean, being, you know, when we get into the middle of the season and, you know, pitchers are starting to get kind of worn down every fifth day, maybe just being able to throw a throw an opener out there. I mean, that's that's always a good way to give pitchers a day off. So I definitely think if you're able to to do that in a productive manner and get the most out of your pitchers, then you're doing a great job. And then with free agency signing, uh, the Cody Bellinger whole thing really surprised me. I think it surprised me more that it happened, the deal happened like at 2 a.m. in the morning. Um, I was just not expecting that. Uh, I'm usually like thinking like, oh, like the latest will happens like 12. I think the Bogarts deal last season was like 12.31. But like I thought 2 a.m. was unnecessary for that. But I, I just thought it was really crazy. Because I got the ESPN notification, I was like, okay, like, that is crazy that it's 2 a.m. and baseball news is coming out. Yeah, I mean, they're always working. I think that that's the kind of deal that, you know, was expected, I think. Um, I think the Cubs were really over the last few weeks the kind of the only team rumored to Bellinger. I, I know that he wanted a, a long-term contract. I'm honestly surprised that he didn't get one from somebody. Um, but I, I think this deal kind of works out for both sides. I mean, if if the if the Cubs end up paying for three years of you know 80 mil for the, the Bellinger they got last season, then you feel pretty confident in that. And mm-hmm. you know, if if Cody Bellinger decides to have another MVP caliber season like he did a couple of years ago with the Dodgers, I mean he's got opt out, so you know he can kind of bet on himself again, see if he can get that long-term deal. Cause he's still a, still a pretty young guy when you, when you consider prime and stuff, um, still believe he's under 30 or, or maybe he is 30. Um, but I, I think it kind of just made sense, especially where we're at. And I think that both sides kind of just wanted to get this thing done and then get him back to spring training because 
I mean, the longer we wait, the longer guys that are still free agents, I feel like are, you know, kind of going to jump to take some deals because I don't see them missing too much of the season and holding out for, for these long-term deals. And I do think the opt-out thing, two opt-outs in the three-year contract. So it's year one opt-out, year two opt-out, and then year three. Um, I think that's great for Ballinger because even if Ballinger has a bad year his first year, like he can show like next the second year he can be like, okay, like MVP season and then could go to a different team. So I think the way Boris and him constructed that contract was really, really well. Yeah, and I think that honestly that might be the style of contracts that we might see with some of these guys um, that haven't signed yet. Um, I think that, you know, we'll see that. I, I think that there will be one person who gets a long-term deal. And I think we'll, you know, I'll, I'll touch on that when we kind of get down there, but I think all these other guys that are, that are Boris clients, they're kind of going to be taking shorter end deals that have a couple opt-outs, maybe a little higher uh, on the money side, just to make things work. Um, especially, like I said, where we're at in spring training already. I also find it crazy that it's 30, 30, 20 for the year one, year two, year three. Um, I'm surprised why, and I kind of can see why, but I'm surprised why they don't do 30, 20, 30 to try to give him an incentive to stay for that third year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's interesting, um, but I'm sure there's a reason for that. Um, yeah, there, there, there's got to be something there. Maybe it's incentives in the last year to kind of keep them mm-hmm. around. I'm, I'm not sure why they dropped that, but I mean, I, I can't see him sort of staying more than two years if he yeah. is continuing to produce. I think someone um, will take a chance on him. And I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he opts out of the, out of this deal at the end of next year just to re-sign with the Cubs again. That's something that I think we could definitely see Scott Boris doing. And then we, I know uh, Ballinger was aiming for 150 to $200 million, So three years, $80 million, still a lot. But that's not even close to one hundred fifty million. So what went wrong, wrong? What went wrong in the deal, like there? Yeah, I mean, I just I don't think that the Cubs were ever going to give him a long term deal. Um, and from what it sounds like, I feel like a lot of other teams didn't want to really give him a long term deal. Um, I'm, I'm not sure why. Maybe, you know, that's clearly why they're MLB executives, and and you know, we're just two guys hosting a podcast, but um, they, there's definitely got to be a reason, but I think at this point, you know, Bellinger wanted to get back to work. The Cubs wanted him back. They probably bumped up the, you know, the money side of things over the course of the three years, uh, you know, to kind of incentivize him to come back. But I, I don't, I don't know what went wrong, but it's definitely interesting to see a guy who, you know, if you had asked me at the beginning of the, you know, the, the offseason would have walked out with a with a long-term deal. I mean, I think the Cody Bellinger thing, it makes uh, – and we're going to be talking about, like, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery later on. Um, but it makes those contracts, like, makes me curious about what Snell is going to get, what Montgomery is going to get. Because I know Snell wants a lot of money, but I don't think he's going to get that money. I know he's good, but I don't think at this point he's – that good to get the money that he wants. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, from what it sounds like with Snell is that a lot of a lot of teams kind of are keeping things quiet. The only things that I've really heard is that, you know, he's kind of between the Yankees and the Angels. Um, mm. However, the Yankees would have to pretty much pay double what his salary would be. 
because of how far they are into the luxury tax. So that's that's what I think is honestly stopping the Yankees from really pulling the trigger on a big time deal with Snell. I think Snell makes a lot of sense for the Yankees. I actually was reading something yesterday. Juan Soto was asked about it, and, and you know he said how you know how much he would love to add Snell to a rotation with Garrett Cole and what it would be like to play with you know back to back Cy Youngs. Mm-hmm. Um, but a thirty million dollar contract to you know to Blake Snell would really cost the Yankees sixty million due to where they are. So I don't know. I. I I think it right now I see Snell going either to the Yankees or the Angels. Um, why he would choose to go to the Angels, I couldn't tell you. Um, but I don't know if I see the Yankees getting it done just because of how much money it would actually cost them. Um, but I, I do think Blake Snell will take a, cert, a similar kind of deal, three years, maybe a couple opt-outs. I also could see him going back to the Padres, um, especially after – that first game of spring training against the Dodgers, I mean, that doesn't show a lot, but it shows that they need pitching badly. And, like, without Snell, I wouldn't say they have a number one ace exactly because um, Snell was the number one ace. Yeah. Um, I mean, they still have Joe Musgrove. Um, I don't know if you would consider him an ace, but he's definitely a – a very solid starting pitcher, probably one of, you know, the more above average pitchers. He's probably, you know, a very good number two. He's probably an ace on most teams, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, you Darvish, Michael King, really the questions come after that. Um, I think that Snell makes that starting rotation a lot stronger. I mean, what starting rotation doesn't get stronger from adding Blake Snell? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Padres could use it. I think that, you know, they just – they have a, a good top three, but I'm, I'm not really sure about the bottom two. And yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think the Padres could be in play, but I, I just, I think it's really interesting the way that this whole off season has gone about. Cause even, you know, it just seems like all of the sort of free agents that are, that are out there, like I, there, there just hasn't been a lot of buzz um, for them. I mean, like I really haven't heard much about JD Martinez in the last few weeks. I know we'll talk about him. Um, Matt Chapman news is slowing down. I mean, even yeah. Blake Snell, like how many times have we seen a Cy Young pitcher go into free agency and like not hear anything about where he's rumored or anything? Like, it's just all very, very quiet. And you're talking about how quiet it is. I don't think we've really seen a Cy Young pitcher uh, not get signed um, until after spring training, which I could yeah. be wrong, but. I can't remember any time like that. I just think it, I, I, I think it's crazy, and it's not even like he's old or you know has injury concerns. I mean, he's he's maybe got some some concerns that you know maybe we don't know about. But um, it's just it's interesting to see a guy who who really was the best pitcher in the National League from June on, won a Cy Young, and and you know can't get a deal done. But I, I also think that. You know, Scott Boris is, is telling him, you know, to be patient and kind of wait and see what comes up. And I think eventually they'll get a deal done. I mean, as a competitor, you kind of just want to get out there at some point. But I, I do think that Blake Snell is going to wait to get a deal done that that works for him. I also know you were talking about like an ace as like Joe Musgrove. Um, I think after that injury, like he really hasn't been the same. Um, he's still good. Uh, but I just don't think he's been the same since after that injury. Yeah, I mean, he, he's. I, I think he's he's due for a better season this year. Hopefully, I mean, 
but who knows? I mean, he, I think he, you know, this is the kind of season to prove where he stands in the pitcher rankings of like, is he just a mediocre guy who, and by mediocre, I mean like still could go out and win an all-star game, but you know, is he a guy that fits more as a two, three, or is he a guy that we consider a back end one? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this year we'll kind of see what happens with that. I also do think Brandon Crawford trade, it makes sense. I just was not ready for it. Um, one year deal. I don't know the exact price, but uh, the St. Louis, um, I did see a TikTok about how St. Louis signing all these retirement people, these old people, which I thought was kind of funny because like pool holes, uh, who else? Wainwright. They were talking about just like how the team is like a retirement home, which I thought was funny. Um, but do you think Brandon Crawford is going to make an impact on that St. Louis team? I don't know. I don't know, actually. Um, I think it's a really interesting move. They have Mason Wynn, who is their second-round pick from 2020. He's 21. He's kind of ready to go. Um, so I, I don't really understand the move that much because I think that Mason Wynn is the guy in the future and that they should play him. Actually, Mason Wynn put out a tweet a couple a couple days ago, or actually it was yesterday when the when you know the news broke, saying that you know it just it fires him up, it makes him more motivated. Um, and if that's the case, and and they decide to go with Brandon Crawford and let Mason win, you know, get some more time in the minors, then I think it you know it makes sense, um, you know, because you're just giving it's it's really just a bridge shortstop, and mm-hmm. Crawford can play very good defensively. And I mean, two years ago when the Giants won 107 games, he he finished seventh in the MVP voting or fourth, seventh or fourth, one of the two. Um, Last year, he struggled though. A lot of injuries, only played in 94 games. Uh, Buck 94, 273 and 314 is the slash line. Seven home runs, WRC plus at 63. So was a below average hitter and and had had a war under one. So I don't really understand it unless the idea is that like he fills the gap right now. And the hope is that Mason Wynn takes over later. Um, but I don't see why you don't just give it to Mason Wynn right away. I do also think it was cool with uh, Kike Hernandez announcing that he signed the deal um, with the Dodgers. And he was like, yeah, I'm the first one to announce it. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Uh, it's another thing we don't always see at- We've probably seen it in other sports. I just don't remember the last time we've seen it in baseball. Um, one year, though, I think $4 million, right? Yeah, one year, $4 million, we signed with the Dodgers. Um, I think that's great for the Dodgers, uh, especially with the amount they spent on Yamamoto, who's actually pitching tonight. Um, so we'll see what he does tonight. Um, and then with Otani, Glasnow, and all that money they've had to pay. So I think the Dodgers really got a break with that $4 million contract. Yeah, so actually Yamamoto just finished his start and he finished with two innings, one hit, three strikeouts, no walks, no runs. So pretty, pretty, pretty dominant, uh, you know, first start. I know it's just spring training. I'm really excited to see how he he kind of does through his first few games. Um, but back to Kike, I mean, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, they, they needed a little more depth and a little more – versatility and I think that's what Kike brings I mean he can play shortstop second base third base he can play the corner outfield um probably could even play center field I believe so too so really can play anywhere 
um, four million dollars. No, he had a bit of a down year last year offensively, and honestly, he's not the best defender. I believe he finished with like negative fourteen outs above average last year, pretty low. But I mean, he just he brings versatility. Probably going to be that bench guy um, that gets you know kind of reps in the outfield and reps in the infield when the guys need days off. But it makes sense, and you know, with that, Manuel Margot is. He's on, off to the Twins to kind of make room for him. And they pay $6 million left and get a guy who can play the outfield and can play the infield. So I think for the Dodgers and what they're trying to build and, you know, be a more complete team, like you said, they spent a lot of money on Yamamoto and Otani. And, you know, they brought in guys like Glass now. Um, but I, I think if the big thing for the Dodgers is going to be like, you know what you're going to get out of Mookie and – you know, Freeman and Otani with the bat, but who else is going to do it? You know, can Gavin Luck step up? Can Jason Hayward have a solid year? Can James Outman stay hot, you know, as opposed to when he got cold? So I think, you know, getting these glue guys could be huge for the Dodgers in, you know, not blowing another NLDS where they get there with a hundred games during the regular season Mm -hmm. and then lose. I mean, James Outman, he's also, was he a rookie last season? Last season, yeah. two years ago. Last yeah. season. Like, for how young he is, like, the way, like, I just saw his pr- progression from, like, last season was just amazing. Um, And from the beginning of the year to now, I think he's made a name for himself. So, you know, by him making a name for himself that he's actually doing something. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he had a great rookie year. Um, kind of slowed down and struggled a little bit in the second half. But, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. And, you know, kind of can he cement himself as as an everyday center fielder, which I think he, he very much can. And, you know, we're kind of going to kind of see what his ceiling is. You know, he's playing on the, probably the best team in, in the MLB, depending on where you rank the Braves. Um, and, you know, he's going to be an important piece. And if he can step up and, and, you know, be that guy in kind of the five, six, seven hole, then, you know, they, they got another star on their hands. I do think also, uh, going back to the Cody Bellinger deal, uh, now that that's off the table, I think sooner or later, like Snell, Montgomery, Chapman, Martinez will get off the board. Um, I'm just curious what you think uh, the deals for these four people will be structured like now that uh, Bellinger came off the board. Yeah, I mean, Blake Snell, I probably see getting getting about the same um, kind of deal with three years, maybe an opt-out, high, high annual. Montgomery, honestly, I haven't heard anything. I really haven't. I've, I've heard the Red Sox were were interested, um, and they're the front runners, but nothing's confirmed yet. I, I think that he could get a deal similar, probably lower money than Snell and Bellinger, but I don't, you know, maybe he gets a three-year, $60 million deal. Um, Chapman, I don't know. Again, the Giants. We keep hearing about how the Giants are, you know, kind of the spot for him. But, you know, I've, I've heard everything from, you know, five years potentially to something lower. And then I think J.D. gets a one-year deal. I, I think that's the only guy that I really feel confident in either like a one or, or one-and-one deal um, just because of his age. And do you think – didn't Chris Sale just go to the Braves though too? Yep. For the Red Sox. Yep. So I think uh, Montgomery I think would really fit with the Red Sox just – the way they play ball, the scheme, like, I don't know why, but he's just one of those players that I can imagine, like, in a Red Sox jersey. 
Um, I don't know why I see it, but I just really think he could fit well with them. And he brings a lot to the club too. Yeah, he's he's a he's a great pitcher. Um, you know, was a Yankee, so he he's pitched against the AL East. He's pitched in Fenway. He's pitched against the O's, the Rays, um, the Blue Jays. So, you know, I think he'd be a great ad for the Red Sox. I mean, a lot of what I'm seeing is just like the Red Sox seem like they're kind of stalling, but obviously they're waiting for something. And I, I think if I had to predict something right now, I would I would say that I think Blake Snell. I think Blake Snell ends up an Angel. I think Jordan Montgomery ends up a Red Sox. Um, however, I'll, I'll go back and this, say this: if the Yankees are willing to pay the money, he will be a Yankee. Um, but I don't think that they're going to go that far over the luxury tax. Montgomery, I think, ends up a Red Sox. A Red Sox. Matt Chapman, I see becoming a Giant. Honestly, I have no clue with JD Martinez, so I'm kind of interested to hear what you think because. Sounds like the Giants were interested in him and then mm-hmm. ended up signing Jorge Soler last week. So, I mean, what, what what do you think? Where do you think kind of J.D. Martinez ends up? Um, So, I mean, I feel like he's one of those low type of people in the boys' clients. Like, if people look at the boys' clients, they don't really put Martinez's name there because there's all these high clients like Montgomery, Chapman, Snell. Um, So, I mean, if I'm personally, if I'm Boris, I want to get that deal out of the way last. Just because, I mean, you still want to get the deal out of the way, but you know what I mean. You want the you want the bigger players to go first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think personally, Martinez he could go back to the Red Sox. Uh, would do fine there. I think he was on the Dodgers. I mean, but they have Otani now, and they have hitting. So unless someone gets injured, I really think like okay, like Dodgers don't need Martinez. Um, I'm trying to think who else needs a DH though. I guess the Angels need a little more power now that Otani's gone. Um, I think – didn't the Nationals just pick up a guy, though? I was going to say the Nationals, but I feel like they just picked someone up, though, as a DH. I I can't remember if they picked anyone up recently, but, um, yeah, I, I think Martinez might be a guy. I think Martinez might be the guy that, like, two weeks into the season signs somewhere because there's an injury somewhere or, or a need somewhere. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised the other guys haven't signed yet. I feel like he's like a Nelson Cruz type of player where like, he's a veteran. He's still good. Um, basically like, like Nelson Cruz in the O's, like he was good. Um, he's a veteran so he can help the team. Um, I think he's going to play a good role in whatever, uh, dugout he's in at the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, he's a veteran presence. He's got that playoff experience. Um, I think the only real issue is that like, how much are you really going to play him in right field? Um, he's kind of got to play DH and it's like, you know, do you really want to pay him what he wants to come be your DH? Um, and a lot of teams have that solved already. I also do think, uh, a dark horse for Matt Chapman. Could he, he could go back to the Blue Jays. Um, I know that sounds crazy, but I feel like he fit well in the Blue Jays and the Blue Jays know that. And he already has, what's the word? Um, not combined, but like, I wouldn't say vibed, but like glued together. That's the word glued together with teammates there. So like when it comes to double plays, that type of stuff, I feel like that's a certain piece that if the Blue Jays can have back, it'll really help solidify the team. I'm not saying like, oh, it's going to push them to second in the division or anything, but I think it's just going to push them to be a stronger defensive team. Yeah. 
I, I could see that happening. Um, I could see, you know, him kind of going back and having a fit there. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where these guys end up. Mm-hmm. Uh, with trades, there was one thing I really want to talk about. So, Manny Margot outfield the Twins, and the Dodgers get Noah Miller, who's a shortstop. Uh, earlier this offseason, Margot got traded to the Dodgers with Glasnow. Uh, Margot's original contract with the Dodgers was supposed to be two years, $19 million, and will get paid $10 million this season. Uh, they said, well, MLB said this was a three-player trade as Dodgers also signed Kike Hernandez. My question to you is, why is this considered a three-player trade, though? I don't know. I don't think it I, – I don't know who called it a three-team trade. I mean, Jeff, Jeff Passan has it as a basically mm-hmm. a, a trade and sign. Um, so that's that's kind of what I have it as. Um, right. And like I said, I, I think it makes sense. I, I think, you know, Margot was kind of the, the odd outfielder out. Um, the Dodgers are going to pay some of that money to cover the $12 million this year. But yeah, I mean, moving to the twins, I think, you know, he'll play for the twins and, and get some playing time there. But uh, I think Kike is the much better fit um, and a great clubhouse guy for them. And Michael A. Taylor, he's still in the twins, right? I don't know, actually. I, I don't know if he's... Let me say, I want to say he is, I don't know, but uh, Buxton in the outfield. You'll have McGow in the outfield, and then hopefully Taylor if they resign him. I can check right now. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a a twin right now. So that's going to be a stacked outfield. I mean, people don't really like. Was it Buxton? No, who was it? Buxton's there, but who is the? Who am I talking about? Max Kepler. I mean, they got a good outfield. They so Taylor is a free agent, so you know, but. I think they end up re-signing him. There's also reports that, like, the Angels, Padres, Pirates. I mean, Taylor's a good a good outfielder. Maybe they don't re-sign him now that they have Marco, but they they got a good outfield if Buxton can stay healthy. Kepler's a guy who's hit, you know, 25-plus home runs. Margot's a good outfielder. So, you know, I, I think the Twins got, got a piece that they could use. And then they also have Royce Lewis, who's shortstop, but he could bring power to the team as he showed – uh Last season, I don't know why I thought he was an outfielder. That's who I was thinking of, but he's a shortstop. Um, were there any other trades that happened? I really couldn't think of any other trades that happened. Yeah, I I, I can't think of any other major ones that really happened this week. I think that was that was the big one. And then did you do – it's okay if you did, but did you do any research on Noah Miller? Because I have nothing about him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't really have – much about him at all. I mean, uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. I, I don't got much on him. They also <laughs> gave up, uh, yeah, they sent an outfielder. Mm-hmm. Actually, hold on. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. that that I, I haven't covered that guy much, um, so not too familiar with him. I also do think with Dylan Cease now, um, I thought this the other day, and it really does make sense. I think he's going to be a White Sox to start off the season. And uh, it looks like more and more as a trade deadline asset Um, because, you know, teams, when it comes to the trade deadline, they're going to pick up pieces for the playoffs, getting ready for the playoffs. And I think Cease will be that one guy that there's going to be a team. I don't know what team. It might be the Marlins. It it could be the Marlins. It could be the Mariners. It could be one of those teams uh, that comes down the stretch and needs one of those pitchers. Or it could be a team, as an example, the Orioles, 
Uh, say Brash gets injured again, which I don't think will happen, but say something like that happens again or a major injury or by some God reason, uh, Yamamoto gets injured, Dylan Cease to the Dodgers. So I think during the trade deadline, I think that's when Cease is going to get dealt. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of teams interested. I honestly, my favorite projection for Dylan Cease is him going to the Reds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the Reds could look to make a deal. Um, I guess, you know, kind of one of the questions I put down about the deadline is, you know, who are some teams that you think that could be sleepers, uh, you know, you know, to be sellers? Um, you know, who, who, are, who are those teams that you think are, are going to kind of sell off um, that, you know, maybe nobody's talking about? Um, I think surprisingly, I, I think Alonzo, Pete Alonzo might get moved at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one that, that the Mets could start to be sellers and, and sell off. Um, you know, uh, who, who do you think that is, you know, who, who do you think is going to be sellers at the deadline? So I know the Mets, I'm pretty sure they just signed a pitcher, right? Before I continue. Uh, I can't remember. Well, they, I think they signed someone good. I can't remember who it is, but I think whoever that person is, I'm thinking on top of my head, he's going to, the Mets are going to be a seller. Um, I mean, the Angels don't really have pieces. I mean, they have stuff in their farm system. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, you have the Padres, which I think is another uh, team that could be. Um, if someone needs a first baseman, Jake Cronenworth, amazing player. I don't think he's going anywhere, but that's another player they can get rid of or get pieces from. Uh, personally, if Judge wasn't, Rookie of the year that year, I think Jake Cronenworth gets it. But of yeah. course, Judge outplayed Cronenworth by tons. I'm trying to think if there's any other teams though that I can think of on top of my head. Um, I could see Teoscar Hernandez getting traded at the trade deadline. Uh, more time would tell, uh, especially where the Mariners will be at at the trade deadline, because um, I think that's a piece that could be moved around. Uh, the Brewers possibly with Devin Williams because um, as we talked about last week, they're kind of in the rebuilding stage at this point. Uh, so if the Brewers don't do good, I think that's when they know, okay, we got to start rebuilding, get rid of our pieces, that type of stuff. Yeah, I think the Brewers are a good one um, and kind of see where they're at. They might sell off. But I, I think it'll be interesting uh, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where I think the only two guys right now that we really see as like major trade deadline pieces are Devin Williams and and mm-hmm. Dylan Cease. So it'll kind of be interesting to see you know who gets put up there as the season goes on. Like, do we see Shane Bieber get moved? You know, do we see some some other pieces get moved and just kind of you know see what happens? That's another person that you talked about, Shane Bieber. Uh, I, I totally forgot about that, but he could be moved during the trade deadline. Um, or actually before opening day starts, I don't know who would want him right now. I mean, I don't think it would work well with the Orioles now that they got Burns. Because um, if you're the Orioles right now, the best pitcher I think the Orioles should go after if they're going after a pitcher to replace Bradish is Lorenzen. Um, I'm not saying it because he's bad, but he's not a great pitcher. And I think if they spend all this money on a great pitcher for Bradish to come back, it's just a waste of money. Yeah, I mean, I don't see them. And maybe, maybe they go out and get a guy like Cease, 
I think Lorenzen is is solid. I'm not a huge fan of signing him for the O's. Um, I just don't think that he like moves the needle. I think I feel like he's kind of the guy that kind of can pitch really well one day and pitch really poorly. Um, but I, I think that you know watch out for for maybe the O's to go in and trade for Dylan Cease at, at the trade deadline. I feel like that could be an underrated move that we don't see in until this until that point just because of how many prospects they have still and and you know the flexibility to move uh players around i just don't know what the white Sox would want for cease um because we know the last time they wanted mayo holiday uh i think a couple other pieces maybe visaya was in that conversation uh but they want a lot i think if the o's get ceased visaya is gone though 100 yeah I could I could see that I or maybe they give up you know a, cu- a couple an, an arm or two mm-hmm. um, maybe they give up an Aaron Brewster or you know maybe you, you you try to stay away from giving up a Povich I think it'll be interesting to see you know what they kind of want because I think at this point Cease's value only goes down um, as you know the days progress because you just lose time that you have of control mm-hmm. um, and you know the the less control that you have over a player the less you you're going to give up so. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they get for him at the trade deadline. I do also think, uh, and I know this is a little, not off topic, but like, I think Adley is going to get a contract extension in the next year or two. Um, I just feel like it's going to happen. I mean, the whole thing with Bobby Witt already happened, uh, with new management. I think they're looking at that. Um, of course they probably need to put a deal in place first, but I think that could be coming really soon. Yeah. I mean, they got they got a bunch of guys that they got to figure out. Um, it'll be interesting to see what direction the team goes. And I mean, they don't really have a lot of guys that are like super locked up. I mean, even the guys like Mount Castle and and mm-hmm. Santander and Hayes and Mullins, like those guys might be under contract for, you know, maybe the next three years max. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what direction they take and, and how they kind of, you know, give out contracts. Are they going to, you know, just – hunker down and, and extend, you know, holiday gunner and Adley as, you know, as soon as they kind of figure things out, I don't, I don't know, but you know, it'll be interesting to see what, what direction they take in, in terms of contracts like. And then before I go into my analysis of spring training games, uh, there's going to be a game this Thursday, actually, it's going to be Skeens versus Burns. So you're going to see Skeens versus holiday too. And they're not airing this on TV nowhere. Uh, and I saw a post that was talking about like, we love the game of baseball. Why not, this is going to be one of the best matches of the spring training? Like, why aren't you showing it? Uh, personally, I totally agree with that. Um, Skeens is going to be Skeens to what top three? Uh, Holiday's one, so Skeens versus Holiday already amazing. Uh, the pitching matchup between Skeens and Burns amazing. Like the fact that they're not airing this either on TV or uh, Masson or a different stream like Fox or something. I just think that's kind of outrageous. Yeah, I, I, I don't really understand it. Um, I think that as TV companies and, you know, corporations and stuff, like how do you not show spring training games? I mean, it's it's huge to see new players and stuff. But, like, mm-hmm. it's also, you know, for, for baseball fans, you get to see players that you don't see very often. You get to see, guy, you know, new guys, guys that might make the roster and, you know, guy, you know opportunities that, you know, you don't really see. Uh, matchups that we probably won't see, you know, in in an Orioles and, and Pirates uniform from, you know, maybe the next year or two. Um, but 
I, I think that spring training games should be more accessible because um, there's a lot of people I know that that are upset at the fact that they can't watch these games mm-hmm. um, and, you know, just get back into baseball. Especially, and I know this that can't be changed, but especially if, like, you're a fan of a team that you live in that state. So me as an O's fan, uh, there's, like, blackout restrictions. So I think that just is so stupid, especially – uh, with my Berlin membership, I get uh, MOB TV for free, which is awesome. Um, but for people that have MOB TV and can't get some games, it's like, what's the point of getting MOB TV? Yeah, for sure. Uh, with spring training game one, uh, Heasley threw 31 pitches and gave up two runs and only pitched two outs in the top of the third. Uh, that really worried me. That really stuck out to me. Um Again, it's only one game. I think Heasley actually pitched way better today. Uh, last time I checked, it was 8-1 Orioles. Um, the game's probably over now. Uh, in the four games, though, or I wrote this a few days ago, but in the four games, the O's, I guess five games now, that the O's have played, would it be five? Yeah, five, because they're 4-1. Um, the highest they've scored right now is eight runs. So... Before that, though, the highest they've scored is five. And in those first four games, uh, they scored 11 runs. Uh, kind of worries me. I mean, I know it's spring training, but you saw the bats on fire last year. On fire. Until until the playoffs, of course. But, like, it just kind of worries me. I mean, they're probably starting off slow. It happens, but I don't know. I just wanted to see – and I maybe high expectations as a fan – uh, I just wanted to see him come out swinging more. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that the bats kind of did struggle a little bit. Um, I got a notification that it's it's twelve three Baltimore right now in the ninth. Um, so, that. you know, bats kind of woke up a little bit. But honestly, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I think that, you know, like you said, it's spring training. Different guys are getting in. Guys are working on different things. You know, maybe maybe the approach at the plate is is, you know, I'm only looking sliders or I'm only, you know, they're, they're always working on something and and these games, you know, they don't mean anything for records. So, you know, the, the guys are probably just putting in a ton of work and, you know, working on different things and such. So I think if we were, if we were in the regular season and, and this was, you know, the start that they had, I think that there's, you know, maybe the argument to make that, you know, they're just, just shaking off the dust a little bit, but, I wouldn't be too worried. I think come opening day, the O's lineup is is going to kind of pick up where they left off and and be one of the league leaders in runs per game. And then the O's did just win twelve to three. Uh, I just got the notification: seventeen hits. So I mean, today they did amazing. Uh, showed they could hit today. It's crazy how I was just talking about how they can't hit, and then they just put up seventeen hits on the board today, which is insane. Um, especially for a game. Uh, Game five of spring training, though, that we had a four-run fifth, which was nice to see. Uh, Vespi would win with uh, 1.0 innings pitched, one earned run, uh, one strikeout, and zero walks. Love to see it. Um, if he could have pitched another inning, I think that would have been cool just to see where he's at as a relief pitcher right now. Uh, Holiday was one for three, two strikeouts, one run. Um I really – people have been hyping up Holiday this uh, off season and spring training. And, I mean, yeah, he's doing good. I don't think he's doing as good as the hype is just because the hype is really high right now. 
Um, I'm not saying he's doing bad. I'm just saying I think the hype is higher than his expectations right now, which people really aren't looking at. I feel like people are just saying, oh, he won't one for three. It's one game. Um, I think there's a few games, especially this spring training, that he hasn't done the best. Um, of course, it does happen, though. Uh, with Grayson, though, two innings pitched, one hit, one run, uh, one earned run, one walk, two strikeouts, and a home run. I'm not mad about that. Uh, if you take the home run ball away, I think it looks way better. Um, with the home run, though, it just looks – I don't know. It makes the stats look worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that, you know, Grayson Grayson pitched pretty well this week. Um you know, wasn't really going to see more than more than two innings. And, you know, mm-hmm. with that home run, just made a mistake. Uh, but I don't really think that any O's fan is too upset about that, you know, the start. Um, going back to what you said about Holiday, I mean, this is kind of what I expected out of him. Um, I mean, when you think about it, like, you have, you know, the talent that kind of is at the the MLB, um, you know, spring training is, is is a mixed bag of, you know, MLB, AAA, AA guys looking to get talent. But um, like you said, I think the expectations were kind of set out of this world and that Jackson Holiday needs to make the opening day roster and he's just going to instantly be, you know, this this amazing savior. And I, I just I think that people need to understand like he's still 20 years old or 19 years old. I mean, he's still two years removed from high school. That's Mm -hmm. why last week my big point was give him some time in the minors. And I think if he continues to play like this, I I think that we will see him kind of just make his way down to AAA to start the season. I do think – I don't know if you saw the post I made uh, of my breakout player of the year so far for the Orioles in spring training uh, on my podcast Instagram. It was about Kobe Mayo. Uh, Amazing. He's been amazing so far. Um, I think his first six at bats, he was like four for six or something. Um, the wheels on him, I mean, there's a lot of fast people on the O's. Uh, Bradfield, um, Mateo, uh, Adley's, uh, Garner's pretty fast. I would say Adley's fast for a catcher. I want to say he's fast for like the whole league if you're comparing him to other people, but he's fast for a catcher. Yeah, Mayo looked great. Um I think he's another guy that's going to start in, in AAA and, you know, kind of figure out where, where he is. I mean, if he performs really well, you could see him maybe getting moved if they decide that, you know, maybe Mount Castle is the guy at first base that they want for the future. Or, you know, maybe we see him get a call up if, if, if a guy like Mount Castle or O'Hearn is struggling and, you know, see if he can plug in there and give a little boost. But I'm excited to see, you know, his progression this year and, and, you know, see if he can put pressure on the O's to, to either make a move to free up a spot for him or, or kind of ship him out to get an opportunity somewhere else. Cause he, he really is starting to starting to knock on the door of, of, you know, that territory where, where Joey Ortiz was, where it was like, his value is not, not going to get any higher now. You know, do we play him or do we, do we, you know, roll him out of town? I also do think, uh, I don't know. I think I wrote about him a little later on, but Kirstead, um, he hasn't had the brightest spring training. Uh, he still had hits and all. I think it's just time. Time will come. Um, he still has an amazing bat. Um, and if you, if I had to pick one prospect that I think has the most power on the bat, I think it has to be Kirstead. Um, I mean, besides like Holiday, I think it has to be Kirstead. Kirstead, his power is insane. 
for just how young he is. Yeah, I agree. He 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 really is a great player. I mean, I think people forget about that because he, you know, he was picked so high and then kind of dealt with some injuries and and now really is starting to, you know, get back to being fully healthy and and, and you know, working his way up. Um, I think again, he's a guy like Mayo. It'll be interesting to see, you know, where he kind of fits in on this team. I do also think the All Star game is going to be fun this year. Um, I hope that they change the jerseys, though, of course. Uh, but I also hope that they do. Um, and I've seen a lot of tweets about this and stuff, but I agree with it. Is I liked when they did uh, instead of like the AL versus NL jerseys. Like when every team either had a hat, you know what I mean, of their team, or wear their team's jersey. I think that's cool. Um, it does get a little confusing for the fan, but I think it's really cool to see that. Yeah, um, I I don't know how it would look, but I would love to see them do that with the hats mm-hmm. um, and flip them. You know, let them wear American and National League jerseys, and then and then you know make the hats with the logos, um, which I think they might have done in the past, but. Yeah, I'm excited for the All-Star game. There's a lot of guys I'm excited to see. I think we're going to see a lot of first-time All-Stars this year. Um, and and I think that a lot of guys that are going to be starters, like personally I'm I'm kind of predicting Bobby Witt will be the, the you know the starting shortstop for the American mm-hmm. League. And, um, I mean, that would just be great for, for the face of baseball. I mean, you're going to have guys like Julio there, um, Adley, Judge, probably Soto, you know, and and who knows who else, you know, who, yeah. who's going to step up. So I think the All-Star game is going to be a lot of fun this year. Um, and it's in Texas, right? So in Texas, I mean, yeah. that's that's going to be a, a good time. And, and they're going to put on, a you know, a great weekend. Well, actually, a great midweek. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everything is bigger in Texas. So if we see a home run derby record, it could happen. Um what I'm looking forward to, though, a lot, I don't know why, is the draft. Um, just because I feel like this season I really want to focus more in on college ball, like, and just watching it and, like, dissecting it. Because um, I've really never done that. Like, I've focused on, like, the major leagues. But, like, I think it would be cool to take a step back and focus on that. Uh, of course, when time comes, though, we can always cover that. Um, but the draft will be on the 14th of July on a Sunday. Uh, the Home Run Derby, Monday, 15th. And then Tuesday, the 16th of July is the Arsa game. Um, I don't know why they don't do it on the weekends, though, like the NFL. I think they would get more viewership, but that's how they do it. Is there any reason why you don't think they do it on the weekends? I think the big reason is just um, kind of the way the schedule lines up. If you do it Tuesday, you can have games on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, or even Thursday, um, whereas like if you did it on the weekend, you, you you know you kind of lose those prime time games, which I think they'd rather have. Okay. And then I want to talk about this next topic. Uh, it's just little, but uh, I was listening to the Adam Jones podcast with Jerry Coleman, Adam Jones, uh, Machado was on, so that's really what got me to listen to that podcast. But uh, they were talking about how Manfred won't be the manager next season uh, and who it could be. And Adam Jones was saying, like, CC Sabathia, like, he puts his foot down and all that. And as a Yankees fan, I wanted to bring that up because I want to know, like, what you think of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that CC would be, you know, a, a great candidate for some something like MLBPA. Um, I think he fits that mold a lot better. 
because I think the MLBPA, you know, you're fighting a lot more for the players and then, you know, what's best for them. Um, I don't think that we'll see a player become commissioner for a long time just because of how much of like the business side it really is. Um, it's just, I, you know, it's not one of those things that we see a lot like going to coaching or something. So that's yeah. why I think that, you know, CC would be great for like the MLBPA. I think the commissioner is going to come more from, you know, maybe the board and, that they already have, or, you know, uh, another kind of businessman. Cause that's really, you know, who is going to end up running it. Mm-hmm. Um, the little research I did, Dan Halem, Halem, um, don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct. Um, he's the de- deputy commissioner for baseball administration. He's the MLB chief legal officer. Um, he actually is in the role that Rob Manfred was in under Bud Selig. Um, so I honestly think that if you were looking for, you know, a front runner right now, that kind of made the most sense. Um, I think he does just because, like I said, you know, the, it's, it's pretty much a seamless plug in. It's what they did with Manfred. Um, so, so he seems like the most likely option. Um, I don't think we'll see a player be commissioner for, for a long time, if, if ever really. And then, I don't know why I really want to talk about this, but the Nike Vapor jerseys, uh, league-wide, on social media, everyone's hating on them. Um, So I was like, you know what? Like, I'll put a segment out about this, like, see what people said about it, that type of stuff. Um, So Nike said the jerseys are supposed to improve mobility, moisture management, and fit while keeping sustainability in mind. Um, Of course... Like, it hasn't been middle of July where it's blazing hot outside. So these jerseys could be amazing. And, again, jerseys are lighter. Um, So these jerseys could come into play and be really amazing. Just it hasn't been July yet. So I don't think players can really be like, okay, like, these jerseys are bad. Um, Of course, the see-through is really weird, though. Like, the pictures of it and everything is just really odd. Um, Baltimore Banner did come out with a video though of uh, what some of those players thought of the jerseys. Um, one of the Orioles pitchers said that's not necessarily a good thing um, on how light the jerseys are. Uh, another O's player said, uh, You look like a pumpkin out there talking about the color. And if you look at the color, like the color is different than like the original orange, which is honestly just odd. Um, and then another O's player said, uh, the look of it is like a knockoff jersey from TJ Maxx. I don't know why I think that was Cole Irvin. I could be wrong, but it seems like Cole Irvin that would say that. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like league-wide the players are not really big fans. Um, actually, I was reading something yesterday. The Royals actually got to keep the normal-style nameplate with the lettering. Mm-hmm. Um, they fought pretty hard to to get that done. So they, if you look up their jerseys, they actually – don't look terrible. Um, so I think, you know, if the MLB made the change to just fixing the, the lettering of the names to back to what like the Royals have, I think the jerseys would look a lot better. Um, they also moved the MLB logo below the neck piping as opposed to above where it was. So, you know, just, just changes that I, I think, you know, that didn't really need to be made. I like the jerseys. I understand, you know, making a switch and no longer doing them through fanatics, I believe. Um, but you know, the just general consensus seems like a lot of players are struggling to wrap their head around, you know, liking the jerseys. And I mean, I know Manfred said he wasn't going to change them or anything, but personally, if I'm Manfred and you have all these players speaking out about it, 
you kind of want them to have better jerseys, I feel like, because they're putting on a show for you. And without them, you're not there in that position as, um, what is it called, like league commissioner. Um, yeah, without the baseball players, there's no baseball. So I think if I was Manfred, I'd be like, okay, we're changing the jerseys right away. Um, but of course he's not, which I find kind of crazy, but I think he might have a reason when it comes to July when it gets way hotter outside. Um, yeah. Some players, though, from the O's that I do want to talk about, and I didn't do a lot of research on this first guy, but Ronald Guzman, uh, he's a two-way player. He was signed uh, to a minor league contract with the O's. Um, I think he was on the Padres, don't get me wrong, and I think he was on another team. And I know he pitched for one team and hit for one team. Um, I know he's not going to be like Otani, but it's cool to see more two-way players out there. Yeah, I, I think he'll be, you know, interesting to see. Um, he, I don't have a lot of information on him, but you know, cool to see, and you know, interesting to see, you know, where he'll he'll carve out a, a role in the minors, or you know, maybe even up in the MLB if guys get injured. And then Kobe Mayo, uh, I was talking about this earlier a little bit, but in first six at bats. Mayo had an average of 0.667, one RBI and an OPS of 1.800, so 4.6. Really, really good. Uh, Cole Irvin showed out, honestly, uh, yesterday. I think the game was um, the 27th. Uh, He pitched his fastest pitch of all time at 95.9 miles per hour. Um, And honestly, he looked really good. His pitching, his composure, it just looked really good and really calm. And as an O's fan, love to see it. Um, I think there's no better start than uh, Cole Irvin had. Um, and I don't think he could have done anything better to have a better start. Um, so I love to see that with Irvin. I know Saturday versus the Yankees, he is starting. Um, Mateo, another thing I wanted to talk about uh, and get your opinion on. Um, he could play second, center field, shortstop. Um, he said that he's been practicing reps at center field five days a week. Um, the exact quote was about five days a week, every week throughout the winter. Uh, he's also had a ton of reps at shortstop. What do you think about that? And where would you place Mateo? Uh, I think it's interesting. He, I, I, I think that it just brings a little more versatility. Um, having a guy that can kind of, you know, go out and play center field maybe once a week if you need him to, but also be a pretty good shortstop, maybe even a, you know, pretty good second baseman. Um, and I, I think Mateo is just a guy that, that wants to compete and kind of wants to, you know, help the team in any way he can and, and get on the field as much as he can. And if, if that means taking extra reps in the outfield and, and you know, learning a new position, then I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's a guy who, who would do it. And, and I think that he – I don't think he'll get as many reps in the outfield during the season as, as he might – as the O's might be, like, leading on to. But – I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if I see him throw their, throw him out there for a game or two or, you know, you know even a, a couple games this season. And then I was listening to the Mass and All Access podcast uh, mainly because – and you know what I'll try to do? I'll try to get Brandon Mortensen back on with us uh, so you can talk with him too because um, he's a really knowledgeable guy about baseball, really fun to talk to. Um, so that's why I listen to uh, Mass and All Access podcast sometimes. Uh, they were really high, though, on Wanditz and Charles saying, oh, he could be like a Cano type of player um, as they were relating his situation to Cano. In 2023, though, Charles played 41 games, put up a 4.57 ERA with a 7-4 record. He also had a whip of 1.32 and 66 strikeouts. 
Um, and I feel like that wasn't exactly what Cano had with the Twins, but I feel like Cano's stats was around that. might have been a little better, but was around that. So I could see him being a breakout player. Um, of course, I feel like we need to see a lot more from him, and until the regular season comes around, then we're not. Yeah, I, I don't have too much on him. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, can he carve out a role maybe in the bullpen, or, or does he need a couple of years and stuff? Mm-hmm. Um but but stats seem pretty pretty okay. Would love to see him improve on a couple of things. But uh, you know you got to be excited for a guy with with high yeah. strikeout numbers in, in that many innings. And I mean, forty five innings is still a lot. But like, I don't know. Sometimes it's kind of scary and worrisome to see that because throughout the whole season, if he becomes a rotation piece um, in the bullpen, he's not going to be starting rotation. But if he comes in the bullpen, he's going to be throwing way more than 45 innings, most likely. Um, so you just want to keep aware of that, I feel like. Because if they outwork their arm, most likely Tommy John surgery happens, which sucks, but it happens to everyone that outworks their arm. Um, Jackson Holiday. Uh, many players have said that Holiday is an awesome teammate and has carried himself like a 10-year vet. Uh, he's also bulked up a lot more this season. Um, I was listening to something. They were talking about how, like, how he benches a lot more. Um, he does something else. I don't know exactly. But if you look at a picture from 2023 and 2024, put him side to side, you can see that, like, the amount of bulk and stuff that he's added to himself and the amount of, like, muscle, it's kind of crazy just to see how much he's been working. Um and then Alfred Anthony Santander yesterday expressed interest in signing an extension to stay with Baltimore, uh, joining Austin Hayes in extension talks. So I'd say if you could have Santander and Hayes locked up, that would be amazing, um, especially Santander, because then you'd be like, okay, like we're not trading him. Um, I think you sign Hayes first, though. Who do you think you should sign first, Hayes or Santander? I think it's tough, though. Um. I personally like Santander a little more um, because he he can kind of slide into the DH role even Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, let some other guys play. Hayes is a world-class defender. Cannot put that, you know, cannot diminish that. But I I think Santander fits fits the team a little more. And then for this next part, I'm going to want your case for this too um, and your opinion on this. But uh, the fourth outfield spot is looking like that spot that is going to be the one spot to watch for opening day for the Orioles rotation um, between Cal, uh, Kowser, Stowers, uh, Kirsten, I think, are all battling out for that fourth spot. Um, of course, you've seen Stowers uh, play beginning of last season and the season before that when he had that uh, tying home run off of Liam Hendricks, which was insane. Um, and if you listen to the uh, – podcast intro uh that clip of uh what is it i'm a kevin brown um announcing that home run is on the on the podcast intro so fun fact for that um styles is most likely competing again kiestead kowser uh uh but kiestead has shown that he can hit absolute blasts though so i think it will depend on the lineup if hyde and elias uh thinks that they need more power or not uh, Power-wise, I'd put Kiesa in the lineup. Um, otherwise, possibly Stowers or Kowser. In December, though, uh, Elias said he's a huge power tool. 
He's big and athletic. He plays the corn as well. He can throw. Um, he's also – Stiles has shown this to be true. Uh, Stiles' teammate Jordan Westbrook said, I know what he's capable of, and he's a guy who can hit lefties. Um, so, I mean, if you can hit lefties and righties, that's perfect. I know at the beginning of 2023 season, uh, people were worried about Gunner not being able to hit lefties. Uh, now he's doing a way better job. Um, I think it's just one of those things you have to adjust to, uh, especially if you're a righty. Um, Colton Kowser, last season, Kowser played 26 games in the big leagues with the Baltimore Orioles. He struggled a lot as he went seven for 61, no home runs, four RBIs. 434 OPS and 22 strikeouts. Um, I know he's made a name so far. Uh, I think he's had two home runs so far in spring training, but I just do not see him making it. Um, Kierstead in 2023, he got 13 games, a big league play under his belt. Uh, he had an average of 233, seven hits. Uh, two of those seven hits were home runs. I was actually at the game when Kierstead hit his first major league homer. Uh, in those 13 games, though, Kirsten would put up a 748 OPS and three RBIs. Um, so before I say who I think should get the fourth spot, who do you think deserves it? I think it'll go to Stowers to start. I, I think that kind of makes the most sense. I think that Heston is a guy that's going to come up um, later in the season. I think that Heston will play a big role on the team and, and you know could be a spark plug for the team through the second half of the season. But I think that I think that Stowers gets it, or at least you know gets the shot at it. And if, and if he struggles, then they they might look at Kirsten here, depending on you know just who's healthy and who's hot. But I, I think it's I think unless you know Kirsten or Kowser kind of has like a a really really hot rest of the spring, which I don't really see that happening. Um, I mean, I'm talking like they would need to hit like 400 with you know two three home runs. I, I think Stowers will will get the job. Yeah. I think personally it's between Stowers and Kierstead. Um, especially Kowser last season looked horrible in um, big league play. So at the end of the day, I'd say Stowers, Kierstead. Um, if Stowers does wrong, just as you said, I think Kierstead gets brought right up. I just got the notification too. Um, do you know anything about Julio Teheran? Yeah, I mean, he, he pitched – I mean, I really remember Julio Tehran with the Braves. Um, was you know he's been in the league for for a bunch of years now. Was was pretty solid with the Braves. Moved over to the Mets. Um, actually, I don't think he was with the Mets. I think the Mets were interested in signing him. But he's pitched for a couple different teams in the in the last few years. I don't think he's anything special. I, I think at this point in his career, he is a Triple A pitcher, and unless you know seven or eight pitchers got hurt. I don't see him making a, a big impact on the team, but I, you know, I think he fills a slot um, in, in, you know, the, you know, he fills a spot on the triple A team. And I think, you know, if, you know, if he does come up, he's, he's got some, some incentives and, and I think that'll, you know, kind of work in those favor. Uh, so basically they paid him 2 million majors with a hundred K signing bonus and opt out. Um, I woke up and thought it was Devin Williams for a second. I woke Corbin Burns, but I thought it was Devin Williams. I got so excited. I clicked on the post. I was like, oh, it's not Devin Williams. And I was like, dude, I should go back to sleep. Thank God I had class, though, so I didn't go back to sleep. But uh, I really thought it was Devin Williams and got so excited. Um, with the Orioles bullpen plus starting rotation, uh, I was hoping to see John Means in the bullpen. Um, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think right now 
the current starting rotation, if Bradish was healthy, would probably be Burns, Bradish, Rodriguez, Kramer, and then either Wells, Means, or Irvin. Um, I'm thinking Means at this point. Uh, with Bradish out, though, I would possibly move everybody up a spot in the rotation and give that last spot to Means. Um, between Wells, Means, and Irvin, I personally have seen the most consistency from Wells over the past few seasons. Um but I don't know. I just do not see like, – I, I want to see means in the bullpen. But at the same time, I've really never seen consistency or what means can do from the bullpen standard. Also, Wallace had an amazing first half um, of the 2023 season before he got injured. Uh, so who is that fifth spot right now, in your opinion? I think it goes to, to means. Um, and I think Wells is the, is the guy out of the pen. Irvin moves out of the pen just because they've both shown you they can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, they've shown that they can go and be a long relief guy. They've also shown that they can start a couple games. I think Cole Irvin and um, Wells will both get, you know, five starts this year or so. But but I think I think it goes to John Me and some. And I, I'd be very surprised to see Irvin or Wells get the fifth spot over John Means. Uh, other stuff I want to talk about. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Tim Mazza on the Blue Jays had a fantasy football punishment, and he had to be the bat boy. Uh, his number was 4-10, which you usually don't see. Um, but that was his record uh, in fantasy football because he finished last. Um, I just think that's really funny. Uh, and then talking about fantasy football, baseball today was talking about if you look in the dugouts during September, um, a lot of players would be in the clubhouse watching the game. Or they tell their bad boys to follow the scores. Um, personally, that seems so fake to me. Uh, what do you think about that, though? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I, I think that's <laughs> could be very likely. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're, you know, we, we've seen guys, I mean, what was it, Tommy Pham a couple of years ago get into it with, with Jock Peterson, I believe, over some fantasy football. So um, it, it wouldn't surprise me, although that, <laughs> that, that does sound pretty wild. I just think it's really cool. Um, out of these like four things, what do you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about about the Yankees this oh, week. Yeah. Um, kind of just to wrap up, you know, my segment. Well, I got a couple minutes here before I got to go, but uh, yeah, uh, the twenty fifth. So, I believe that was Saturday or Friday, one of the two days. Um, got to see Soto uh, for the first time. Went. One for two, hit a home run. Uh, Verdugo had a double. Judge had a had an RBI. I mean, the first inning pretty much went completely how I how how we would have wanted it. Uh, Verdugo doubled. Soto moved him over. Judge hit a single. Um, Spencer Jones has looked amazing during spring training. Hit a four hundred and seventy foot home run last week. Um, and then George Lombard, who was our first round pick in twenty twenty three, he homered. Um, and Rodon threw two and two thirds, one and run, five K. So not the greatest start. He did walk two people, but I, I like what I saw so far from him. Um, game the next day, Soto double. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just very excited to see him and perform and, you know, just, just see what he can do. Um, our number seven ranked prospect, Jor- Jorbit Bebas, um, he was a guy we got in the trade with the Dodgers. He had a had a home run. Nestor struggled a bit, but you know, I, I think he's gonna end up being a, a lower end rotation guy, maybe even get moved to the bullpen if 
if we get another pitcher. And then the big thing that, you know, was, was good for me um, this weekend and, and really positive was Chase Hampton. Um, depending on what, what websites you look at, he's either the Yankees number two or number three prospect. And he's the number one pitching prospect. He threw an inning, one hit, one walk, two K. So all around a pretty, pretty solid week for, for the Yankees uh, are sitting at three and two, but you know, they put up 22 runs in the first game and, and um, just kind of have been, have been doing well. So, so excited for the season and excited to see, um, you know, can they stay healthy and, and do they come out, you know, swinging and, and prove that they, they can be one of the top offenses in the league. And then with that, I do want to go to closing because I was going to talk about Ethan Salas from the Padres, but I think I should do a little more research about him uh, just because I want to do a little more research about him so I can have like facts to back me up. Um, Hey, Birdland, thank you all for coming on and listening today. Again, thank you to Caleb for hosting with me. Um, As Caleb knows, I texted him. I'm trying to get a Savannah Bananas player on because I think that would be really, really cool. Um, And then I was thinking March 22nd, uh, we'll predict rosters for opening day. It could be you could do Yankees, I could do O's, whatever, however you want to do that. And then I was thinking uh, next week we could also talk about spring breakout because I know – that's a big thing coming up too. Yeah, that that works for me. I'd love to do roster predictions. Awesome. I'll see you next week. Yep, sounds good. See you then. Awesome. See you then. Right. Peace. Peace.